welcome to episode 11 of the Joshi 2010's Journey. I'm your host, JD, joined by Kay. What's up, man? We're talking about a good promotion tonight, or today. Yeah, My it's favorite. our second venture into a full JWP show. Ah, one of my favorite promotions. Favorite dead promotions, technically. <laughs> we had a time. We just spoke how you, you're like, ah, oh, it's not technically dead. Pure it's J not technically exists. dead. It's, it's Pure J. They just can't legally use the name JWP. If they could, they would. Ugh. <laughs> yes, we're going JWP Revolution 2010 from September 19th, 2010. It is JWP from Shinjuku Face. A full uh, attendance of 600, I believe. I was just about to say they had a full attendance, and if you watch the show, it looks like they have a full attendance. Now, how much of that paid is always up for debate. Yeah, it's always the question of the of of the era that we're coming out of of this dark age. Uh, if you're listening on the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon, thank you, dollar fifty tier. But if you've waited the two weeks and now you're listening on Big Egg Joshi Podcast, also welcome. And encourage you to and thank you, and we of course encourage you to sign up to that dollar fifty tier to help support uh, us doing the tape trading and the research that goes along with this. If you really like our content, then consider joining the five dollar tier to get your JD Star reviews. A awesome JD Star reviews. I'm learning so much with you doing those, and we put up. I'm learning we, a lot too. And uh, I will. I will say that. It doesn't just go to supporting us. We also put a lot of these lost matches and lost shows and, and the big matches on the Daily Motion page, Redly Retrocast. So don't feel yeah, like it's going nowhere. You put JD Star up there. You yeah, <laughs> put JD Star up there. I was very happy to see that up there for more people to see a lost era of, J- of JD Star, something that you can't really find much video or evidence of even happening or existing for that matter. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the matches that we cover on this podcast and doing our research is is definitely lost the time, it seems, uh, unless you somehow do tape trading like we're doing, but not everyone has uh, the means to do so, nor the desire, but if it's right in front of you, then you're just like, ah, maybe I'll click on this. Well, we hope you clicked on one of the things that we put out, and we'd like to thank you, uh, as usual. So. Now that's out of the way. I've really come around on on JWP. Uh, no, I, finally. Yeah, this was this show definitely got me to really look at JWP at least post. Well, what what do we say? Nineteen ninety post nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, I think post ninety seven JWP. But I think this sort of JWP twenty ten is more like post two thousand five JWP. Is like the vibe where they kind of changed up sort of who was on top and sort of the presentation and style sort of deal. Ah, okay. You've seen a lot more. It's funny um, you mentioned 2005. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that year specifically. A lot changed in 2005. (laughs) Yeah, companies closed and died. Yeah, and then from 2006 to about now, it was a huge shift in the industry. And uh, we're certainly seeing, <laughs> certainly seeing JWP be one of those promotions that are trying. It seems like they're trying new things, and there's a great availability of talent out there. And it seems, you know, okay. So we've covered. Give me an example. We've covered Oz Academy. That's certainly where all the legends seem to be kicking about. Uh, the big, the biggest ones. Then you got Wave. Yeah. We got Wave. Yeah, Wave. Where there's, that's kind of where all the bigger, I don't want to say rookies, but it's definitely a showcase of the younger talent. And then there's Neo. Yeah, and then there's Neo where it's kind of this hodgepodge of different things between veterans and and, uh, and youngsters. Let's call them youngsters. (laughs) All right, well, I think with Neo, you see a lack of direction identity almost right well you, like you said time, it's yeah. a hodgepodge yeah it's like a hodgepodge well it's, it's kind of always been its problem i think the most 
defining thing from Neo was the high speed title and the high speed sort of style, but that really wasn't throughout the entire roster. That was only a few people, kind of like it is today in Stardom, more or less. Neo had problems, lots of problems. Didn't have a pipeline. And the people they did get in the dojo either didn't debut or they just debuted and lasted a couple months and dropped out. It was. Uh, I say Kyoko, in a way, still has it learned from this problem, if you look at Diana. <laughs> yeah, history's uh, repeating itself there, for sure, and now with an even lower budget <laughs> to go along with it. <laughs> and now it's in a basement, not in Shikiba uh, First Ring or some shit. <laughs> yeah, it's even, it's even worse these days. Well, outside of Neo, there's JWP here, and we spoke on a previous episode uh, when we covered, covered a show, that it's not really, and boy, was it more obvious on this show than ever to me, Kay, was it's so unfortunate that the financial strength wasn't there with the with these guys, and it just didn't have that stability uh, that, say, Ice Ribbon had. I, <laughs> I know that's kind of pushing a, a low bar there, but they, they, were, they at least had some idea of how to budget, at least that's what it comes across to me as. While, the, while JWP just always seemed to be kind of struggling to find its financial identity. So um, that's kind of half true and half not. So like I've said before, JWP, the promotion, the promotion itself was doing fine financially. They were making fine merch, fine at the, at the, at the gate, right? They weren't, they, weren't having, they weren't selling out constantly, but they weren't doing poorly for themselves it was the parent company right that made a lot of bad decisions and when the parent that's why they, that's why i say pure j is jwp because it's the same roster same everything they just can't use the name because it's tied up in bankruptcy legals and copyright because the parent company owned all that stuff and when it went under they lost the ability to do all that bullshit always tried and i think she still tries to every year or so to fight for it she wants it right because it's, it's that's what it is it's not Pure J, it's JWP, and they'll put the banner in front of their camera saying JWP to kind of let you know subtly, right? Well, <laughs> not too subtly. But Ice Ribbon, so to, to your point, your example, Ice Ribbon is backed by Neo Plus at this point. And Neo Plus is actually a financially stable company that doesn't make bad financial decisions because they kind of just do web design and stuff, and they kind of stay in that link because they seem to be sort of one of the Japanese pioneer forefronts of that. So... They, they don't mess outside of that because they know what their strengths are. And that, that leads to them being very financially solvent. Yeah. And where the optics or at least from the outside looking in uh, seems to be is JWP here put on a hell of a card with a lot of interesting talent there. I thought I thought it was a good mix of veterans across the generations. So you just didn't have, you know, kind of like the Oz Academy situation where they're all kind of in their 40s. Here I felt like right. we got we got some in their late twenties, we got some in their, you know, early to mid thirties, and then there was a couple in their forties. Uh, it's a it's a good mix of talent, and they're kind of all over the card. They're not just all top heavy. Uh, being in the main event, the semi main, maybe you get a thirty year old mixed in there. It's the availability of talent is utilized with JWP, and I I feel that if the parent company had that financial stability, they would have been able to capitalize more with at least booking a lot more shows like this. And then in turn, they'd be able to uh, escape the Shinjuku face ceiling that it really comes across that this is, this is as top as they can go in 2010. So your point on talent, right? So we don't have a Risa Nakajima right now. Because she, this right. is during the period of time where she's out, right? Mm-hmm. Uncle Nakamori, who debuted in 2006, isn't on this card because she's kind of suffering from an injury, I believe. Could be oh, off. interesting. Hanako Nakamori is... So Hanako and Risa Nakajima are the last two big uh, trainees, big top-level wrestlers to come out of JWP. Now, you hear about Risa Nakajima, but you don't really hear too much about Hanako Nakamori because she didn't leave JWP like Risa Nakajima did. Mm-hmm. And Risa Nakajima is a better wrestler, but Hanako Nakamori is also very good on her own right. If you ever see Hanako Nakamori wrestle, you'll kind of get what I mean. She's actually very, very good and very underrated because she doesn't get seen a whole lot. We don't have those two currently, and this is the kind of card they could still put on because they still have Bolshoi, who's a draw for them. They have Yonayama, who's signed and is a draw for them. 
I believe Sachi Abe is even signed to them. That's what could sure what it seemed point. like. I think she is signed to them at this point. I could be off. I know JD Star is closed, so she's not working there, which is where <laughs> right. she was signed. Where she was signed for a few few years there. Uh, so I don't know if she's freelancing or if she is signed. I couldn't find anything, but I do think she is signed. And she's not much longer for a career anyways at this point. So if she retires in 2016. Yeah, one of the two. I can't remember. The other thing I took away from this, and I'm looking at the names here, it's a lot of people that are still associated with JWP's past. Uh, yeah, so like Leon, they, Leon's there, right? They they've been able to hang on to a lot of this talent, uh, not lose them to freelancer free agency, <laughs> if we can call it that. Uh, they they've been able to kind of absorb some some of the bigger names from fallen companies of the early 2000s we see some uh arcyon here we see some jd star we see some of the late doldrums of ajw <laughs> well yeah i mean that's that's i mean that's the natakahashi right there she's from the doldrums yeah of ajw yeah so it's just kind of more optically where i got this idea it's like man there's a lot of good talent here why, oh, why can they only draw 600 with a card like this? And it, it, it I, the only conclusion I could really come to is they just don't have the investment partner that's stable enough to go bigger. Uh, I actually don't even think that's even 100% correct. I think this, the scene it says it's more of the scene, right? There's only so much you can promote, right? Even if you have all the money in the world, you put billboards everywhere. At this point, women's wrestling one doesn't have a presence but two it's kind of seemed a little skeevy because now you have gravier dvds that are more widely like um passed out right like some wrestlers are more known for their gravier dvd than they are wrestling at this point in most of their careers i i believe uh trying to forget because one comes to mind that i just lost it but she she had a really nice career really long career but she's more known for the two gravier dvds she put out <laughs> than she is for her actual career by the most the general you know japanese public or people at least had an interest in that right that's the problem right we're at 2010 the scene's still in the dark age but it's coming out a little bit it's just kind of crawling out and as you said a card like this with a hair versus hair match no less something that would get buzz right well i mean it did get buzz it was in magazines but i mean the attendance didn't show up i I can't remember if there was a big pop in attendance the next show after it got put in uh, ladies ring and shoe pro because at this point now i could be a little off base with this because I haven't done enough research, but from what I have seen, I don't think Joshi was even in Shupro. Like they would show articles here and there, but it was not like it is today where they get full page articles and several articles throughout the magazine. I think it was usually like maybe a page or two was dedicated to Joshi because it was like a dead industry. It was kind of written off for the most part still at this point. It's so- sort of this dirty underground skeeviness because of all the gravier stuff. So coming off that then, uh, cause you're kind of filling in some, some thoughts and gaps that I had was okay. So they were able to draw 600 at Shinjuku face. That's a sellout. Okay. Uh, how much I... is paid is always the question that we ask. Yes, of course. Now we've seen other promotions in 2010 able to draw a higher crowd, at least allegedly. Uh, Cork and Hall, 1,200, 1,500. Um, I can't recall. I think Yokohama somewhere. was. The point is, they're able to get maybe 1,000 or 1,200. Let's put the number there. Why? Right, but I think the ratio, the ratio for those of what was paid and what wasn't paid is probably very disproportionate, one-sided. Yeah, I under, I understand that, but here here here's here's where my my mind is kind of wondering about JWP is you mentioned the scene being very weak, and I don't I'm not disagreeing with that at all. I'm trying I'm just trying to come up with why JWP didn't try at least for a show like this to go bigger. Is it is it because the scene is so weak that they just simply didn't see it financially feasible to try and go bigger? Or maybe if if the on the flip side, if they did, let's say if, maybe it couldn't draw simply because of the scene, and then and then we would have possibly seen or probably 
seen a number being fudged, like we <laughs> do a lot with Neo, or tickets given away. So the 600 is a representation of just how strong the scene is, which is quite sad. And that's kind of why we're seeing this crawling out of the Dark Age era. And Thought came and, to mind. Excuse me? So that thought came to mind. Okay. What if they simply just couldn't book Corkin? If they just weren't able to get Corkin? Well, that's that financial strength. They just couldn't... I mean, like, like it was booked. It was busy. It was booked. I mean, there, there's always times you could. But yeah, maybe, maybe if you're thinking about, okay, they're in 2009... Uh, we don't really have. We don't really know what we're gonna do around September 2010 because you got to book Corican way out. Absolutely. Oh yeah, it's usually like a year in advance. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that has something to do with it. They just they just didn't see that they could do something like like that a year out. It, very possible. There's there's a lot of different thoughts that went through my head, and I was just trying to put puzzle pieces together, and I just found that interesting and. My other thought with JWP was we haven't seen a lot from them in 2010 on this journey. We've kind of stuck to the Neo. We've we've watched a few Oz Academy shows. We've seen Ice Ribbon, which is very interesting and different. But we haven't seen a lot of JWP. Is it simply just going on under the radar from us? Or is it something, do you think, we should probably, when we get to 2011... Maybe look into some more interesting cards later, especially more like this, that could pop out and we get a better idea of what's going on. I think it's a mixture of the two. I, I think we kind of have sort of overlooked some of them for the Neo, which makes sense since this is their last year in existence. So you kind of want to see where they're at throughout the year, right? That makes sense. Uh, but I do think within 2011, we should probably look at more more JWP. Because I believe a reason Nakajima comes back in 2011 or 2012, so we'll see her coming back. Uh, we'll see Hanako Nakamori showing up again. Like We'll see a lot more things going on. And I'm at the least very curious on where they continue to go up until the closure, because what I was able to see in terms of attendance numbers, their attendance doesn't drop off really bad. I said the parent company. It's not the promotion. The promotion mm -hmm. was making fine money at the gate. It's the, the parent company investing in made cafes that went fucking nowhere. <laughs> I just oh, spin boy. off side brands so that they can't put the, so they don't put the JWP name on a fucking made cafe. And so you get the, the Har, I believe it's called like Haru Haru something. Uh, it's some dumb name that they put on a made cafe chain that flopped belly up really bad. Getting, I'm getting the the Matsunaga brothers investing in the uh, ramen shop vibes. Yeah. <laughs> History noticed. repeating itself again. <laughs> just, just a tad, just a tad. Except maybe not as catastrophic. Like they didn't invest in like what was it like ten ramen shops? It was like two maid cafes. So a whole to start chain, a chain, yeah, a whole chain. And... Trying, they were trying to, they were trying to start a chain of maid cafes, and they opened one. It was moderately successful, but until they instead of waiting for it to get really successful before you open the second one, they just opened a second one, both in Akihabara, which is. You know, if one isn't succeeding in Akihabara of all places, a second one sure as hell isn't going to succeed in Akihabara. Well, let's get into this card here. I really enjoyed this card. My overall thoughts were the uh, all the tag matches were exceptionally strong. I was very entertained. Really got me to look at a couple other talents quite different. I loved the use of of veterans. We'll call them super veterans. Uh, not quite... There wasn't a strong old guard presence on this show. Uh, there was put. They were pushing. That, yep. Yeah, they were pushing new talent, and even the beginning of the card uh, was very unique, and it felt like JWP, if that makes sense. Yeah, it felt like two uh, thousands JWP because, like, if you watch nineties JWP, it's very different looking and feeling. It's can't right put my my finger on it, but the at this point they're sort of feel is different too. They feel more like a rowdy old school, but still new blood promotion. If that makes any sense. Like they feel very rowdy. That's kind of what the first word that came to, to mind for me. Like they felt like they're not, not sort of going in line with the old guard. Got a lot of younger talent and they're booking a lot more of the sort of mid-level, like the 30 and 40 year olds, not the, you know, ancient old guard people that won't do jobs. And, they feel like they're just kind of, I mean, Command Bolshoi, I think her her whole look 
like personifies what I think of Jinobi at this point. <laughs> the tassels, the camo, the the weird shit all over the place. Like it's just a rowdy promotion. It's not really coherent in in sort of one side or the other. When usually in this time, the scene kind of split in one or two ways. You got your old guard, you know, your promotions that are more stacked on that, and then you got your promotions that are coming up, like Ice Ribbon and Sendai. Because at this point, Sendai was at least hopeful. We're like exactly shit yet. So you got some of those coming up, and then we'll see two years long, we'll see stardom. So it's kind of like that interesting, weird dynamic of things. So our first match on the show is Hiren, our uh <laughs> our main Oz Academy opener girl. Uh she's the teaming with goddess. <laughs> she's teaming with Sawako Shimono, someone who we mentioned uh, is another kind of uh talent with a lot of potential that we've that we've seen uh, i believe she was in the catch the wave uh they were taken on and defeated the team of masaki oada someone i've really fallen in love with uh seeing her like very high potential and appeal early on as early as 2010 if not earlier and she teamed up with moon mizuki a name that really kind of i swear i've seen this seen this name a lot but never seen her in another kind of young talent uh, that's in de- in the developmental stage of her career. It went 12 yeah, minutes. Like What'd you think, you. Kay? Oh, I like the match. Like you said, Ohat is really, really good. I thought her and uh, and Hiren were kind of fun against each other because you got the, the sort of, maybe like the, the playing off of a bit of the uh, the stuff over in Oz Academy. That was mm-hmm. not really, I don't think it was Ohana that was there, but it kind of very much felt like the Oz Academy sort of thing, but not in a bad way. Uh, Sawako, like you said before, is promising. And much like you, I've seen the name Moon Mizuki everywhere, kind of like Ran Yuyu and yes. Toshi Uematsu <laughs> and these people in Candy. And like, it's like I just never seen them wrestle. And here I am seeing her wrestle, and she's okay. Yeah, not not the greatest of this match, that's for sure. Oh, Didn't no, stick no, out. No. Yeah, that, it was it was a good little opener. Uh, quite enjoyed it. Uh, Sawako Shimono and Ohada are definitely kind of the two names that. Uh, we'll be paying attention to uh, further. And Huron, as an opening card, kind of beat up a rookie situation, get with the younger people, get them up to speed on skills. Uh, and then uh, I, I kind of like this position for her. It it, it works. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And as much as you love Ohada, boy, look forward to 2018 when she has the fucking magical last year run. Excellent. She just puts on banger after banger after banger. Yeah, uh, needless to say, I was not watching a wave in 2018. So <laughs> I was. <laughs> I can't. I can't wait. Second match was Kayako Hariyama, uh, the former champion, uh, which we saw her lose to one Nanai Takahashi, and then in which Nanai lost to Kaoriyama the title. Uh, so what has Kayako Hariyama done since then? Uh, well, they've really cycled her down. She's on the second match against and defeats. Uh, Kaito, or Kato, not sure how to pronounce that correctly, but basically what we got here is your former champion facing off against another JWP vet on the much older side in her 40s, and, uh, you know, she looks like she's uh, she's been through a couple wars here and there, this this Kato. I'm going to pronounce her Kato, because if I say Kaito, I think uh, somehow I feel that's wrong, despite the way it's spelled. <laughs> right, uh, no, I got you. Yeah, they had a definitely a veteran feel fight where they're just beating the shit out of each other. The crowd was very kind of on the more quiet side for these two. So you can kind of tell their connection with the crowd, which is at least interesting to me from the prospect that Hariyama just had that really long title run, 2009, 2010. Uh, so it's interesting that she's only get, kind, of, kind of getting this reaction. But, but this kind of brings up a question I had, Kay. All right. Uh, and this is something you can kind of see throughout promotions is when you have two people that have been in the promotion for so long, they've probably faced each other a lot. So then when you get a singles match and it's just kind of, hey, go out there for seven minutes. And I have a <laughs> I don't think it's an outrageous theory to have that you get a lot of the same crowd these days in 2010 to your shows. Uh, maybe, right. yeah, maybe Hariyama versus Kato is just kind of your filler match, and the crowd's just like, all right, let's just watch him. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have the, I don't think I've seen the data to see if that is, but it, I can see what you're talking about, and it very much probably is the case. Uh, regardless, I fucking loved this match. They just beat the hell out of each other. It was good. Yeah, 6.48 the, the time went, and 
it was perfectly fine. It's like, okay, well, they're they're sure trying. That's for sure. And I I am entertained. I mean, they're sure beating the shit of each other for a quiet crowd. It was wild. It was this match was stiff. It was really stiff. <laughs> Our next match is Kazumi Shimoma, Nanai Takahashi, and Natsuki Tayo, Team Passion Red, take on and defeat Basara, Command Bolshoi, and Leon, Team JWP. 15 minutes, 49 seconds. What'd you think? Oh, I think it's also funny that Leon is also a former member, I think at this point, of Team Passion, you know, Passion Leon. Uh, I love this match. This is, I think I even said this in chat when we watched this. This right here, this performance by Command Bolshoi is quintessential Bolshoi. That's what I think when I think Command Bolshoi matches. All right, describe it, describe your quintessential Bolshoi mat, match. <laughs> Uh, just think Rey Mysterio, but kicks harder. Ah, okay. Uh, the la- That's kind of how I describe her. Yeah, the last time we saw her was, uh, well, it actually takes place later this year when she's defending the Ice Cross 60 title, which she has in this match, by the way, uh, against Sukasa, And that match was very to the mat. Uh, Bolshoi does not to the mat <laughs> much in this one. No, that's why Sukasa put her to the mat, because Bolshoi go fly-fly. <laughs> and you just gotta get a, get a grouter because she flies and she kicks you really hard. I mean, listen, I like Bolshoi. She was very, very uh, fluid, not fluent in this match, with, especially with the, the 619 counter that she did. She's really, really good. I like Bolshoi. I believe, and, and this is sort of one of the things that I like about Bolshoi, is she represents the heart and soul of JWP. It's kind of her name, her sort of nickname now, the thing that's added to her, even nowadays after she's retired. She's the heart and soul of JWP. And that shows with how much she cares about the promotion, to where she, like I said, every year on the nose, she tries to appeal to get the name revoked so she can get JWP and rename the promotion. At least get the name back and, and try some more. Uh, it kind of it makes me wonder what the goal is with Pure J. In this era, uh, that's uh, this is obviously a conversation for another day. Uh, what can they do? How like they clearly need a lot of talent help. Uh, and if there's if there's a time to start trying to draw more or at least try new things, I guess I guess the coronavirus period isn't the best time. But you can at least try to I, I don't know maybe some interpromotional work. Would definitely do something. We see see actress girls doing that a lot. So maybe, maybe I don't know. Just kind of throwing ideas out there at this point. Right, right. Well, I think once I think I'll be happy once they get the JWP name because I think they're eventually gonna get it. Eventually, Bolshoi is gonna get it because she's stubborn as fucking. Much like how when she saw the writing on the wall for JWP, she spun the promotion out, took all of the management, took all of the money, her own personal money. Mm. Like she didn't get a backer. She took her own personal money and sort of built the this promotion that we see now in Pure J, and sort of got everyone over there. Now, the financial portion of it, she did get investment for, like, the dojo and stuff, right? Because she couldn't get that. She was trying to get the Pure J dojo when it closed. I mean, the JWP dojo when it closed wasn't allowed to. It, it, she's tried very, very hard. Very few things she's been able to keep, like the, the daily sports tag belts, and um, some of the the sort of memorabilia she's been able to keep. She definitely loves this promotion, and you even see it now at this point, right, in her career. Like, she's not the head of the promotion, but she's very much involved in the backstage and her workings. Look at her. She's not even in the main event. She wants to showcase other people because she wants the promotion to thrive. It's not about her. It's about everybody else. And I love that about Bolshoi. Leon stood out in this match. Natsuki Tayo, of course, stood out in this match. She's a she's a she's a wacky wacky wrestler, very tiny, lots of speed. <laughs> uh, claim to fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Bolshoi Tayo and Bolshoi Leon uh, with Tayo in the match; those were kind of the highlights. Unfortunately, a lot of the match kind of came down to Shimoma and Basara constantly in there one v one. So you kind of you could kind of tell where it was heading, uh, and then. And Nanai Takahashi just kind of disappears at times. She hits a clothesline. Wait. She kind of leaves. <laughs> the less of her in the match, the better, I feel. It was very, it was very strange. She's just like, oh, okay, I'm third from the bottom. Whatever. I'll just nay-nay it up. I won't put uh, work in. I won't put work in. 
this really struck me watching this. Okay. So 2009, Emi Sakura was the uh, wrestler of the year in Tokyo sports. Okay. Yes, for women. Correct. And in 2010, Nadai Takahashi was wrestler of the year. I'm going, we have watched a lot of 2010. We've seen a lot, number of different promotions. What special have we seen out of Nanai Takahashi in 2010? Because she certainly wasn't on the top of this card. <laughs> no, no, you see, you see, she has uh, friends in high places. Takahashi's so, best asset is her pol- politics backstage. <laughs> that is that is her best asset, not her in-ring work, her politicking backstage. She knows and what she's able to do. Like even from I mean, a kayfabe, like even if you kayfabe it up, I I don't I don't deny it. But even if you kayfabe it up, she didn't have the Neo title. She but had she the JWP not. title for like a month. <laughs> that was the only she, major sequence match she had, I think. Right? Yeah, she had a few tag titles, and then when I'm looking at kind of all the other champions, well, Yoshiko Tamura had the tag titles. She had the Neo title all year, which is your arguably biggest promotion going right now. Or on the flip side, you have. You had uh, uh, Kaoru in Oz Academy. Like, there was a host of... De- y- Yoniyama uh, was big, but maybe JWP just wasn't that big to... Wasn't as big to get that many eyeballs. So as as it makes me sick, uh, but, but o- then, Ozaki had a better claim to fame as well. <laughs> yeah, but then, okay, well, if JWP isn't that big to get eyeballs, then why, did, why does Nene's... Nanai's, <laughs> I keep calling it Nene. Uh, <laughs> what, why, why does her reign seem to uh, come across as uh, this is from a Tokyo sports aspect, of course, uh, bigger than anyone else's. It's very strange. And the only conclusion as, as you know, we can speculate is she, she knows people in high places, but then I ask, I mean, I'm sure that some of the people in Oz Academy over there know more people. (laughs) So wouldn't any of them then politic their way or do they even care? I don't think they even care, first, I think, first and foremost. <laughs> but I think, secondly, I mean, listen, she's friends with Aja Kong. She's friends with uh, Ozaki, even. right? But I don't think Ozaki would put her put Nanai over her. So we can go ahead and cross that one off the list. Uh, but she's friends with a lot of the people that you would think would that would vouch for her. Now, it could be because it was a weak year overall, right? And so sure she was able to like pull yeah. her way in. She was able to, she able to like weasel her way in. This is the only time she ever gets this acknowledgement. And this is the only time I think she's ever nominated, even. I don't think she's ever nominated again. So, you know, she's politics. She's, yeah. she's a mid-carder. A mid-carder, she's always been a mid-carder pushed above her means. Nowadays, everyone just likes her because she's super stiff. It doesn't sell for people. My God, so she means she's, she stiffs people and sucks. Gotcha. <laughs> stiffs people and doesn't sell. Cool. I like that in my wrestling. I know, it was just something she's, I was I was thinking about. I go, man, how did she? How what politics had to be pulled? What strings? Maybe someone in Tokyo sports just liked her a lot. I I, I don't know. I I was I, not that it matters at the end of the day, but she, her name is on that list of Tokyo sports women's winners. <laughs> like, look at that. I just keep looking at 2010, going, what did she? do that was bigger than anyone else like she, she didn't, didn't do dra- anything yeah she didn't she draw any houses she didn't like i know i know she just that's came a, up a year yeah she's I, over here with her promotion died her promotion <laughs> died in 2009 so she's came over here where she died her promotion died what does she do she has nothing she's a mid carder she just gets pushed above her means yeah so i'm gonna put an asterisk next to 2010 there that that, that i'm there's gonna be another year another couple of years there where I'm going to be questioning, and that, that'd be something, something to look at in the future is, uh, could we make an argument uh, for anybody else in 2010? Uh, there's a lot of different arguments for Nanai Takahashi <laughs> against her. Oh, against yeah. Her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Even Aja Kong would probably be a buffer at this point. Sure. <laughs> match quality. Man, I think Aja Kong put on better matches or better performances. Well, Aja Kong was constantly in semi and main events, uh, going for titles. Uh, winning tag titles, absolutely. Asha Kong has a way better <laughs> argument to be made there. Uh, come to think of it, did Asha Kong ever win Wrestler of the Year? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Oh, there's there's a horrible uh, insinuation there that I think probably has some merit knowing 
knowing what oh, uh, her past I... is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't say for sure because I don't have a list in front of me. But if she's on the list, I'm willing to bet it's exactly what we're both thinking. Yeah. Uh, okay, um, so now would be actually a good time to say that we have a couple episodes left of 2010, and in that last episode, we're doing uh, uh, the last Neo show, and at the end of it, we're going to come up with kind of our uh, wrestlers of the year and our matches of the year uh, that we watched and covered uh, on this journey, and I think uh, I think that's going to be fun. We'll kind of come up with our top five names um, and try it. I think it'd be fun to kind of come up with a more kayfabe kind of li- kind of list. See what we see what we come up with. What do you think? That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting. I think for matches, I think since we since there wasn't a whole whole lot of them that were enough for a top five, I think we just pick our our one match that we I think, think was the I best think of the year. I think we can come up with a top five. I I, I, uh, I, got see, it. I can't I can't I can't I can't think of much of one. I don't think there's a whole lot of matches that sort of hit that threshold. Well, if you go on to the Patreon, you can find a post where uh, I have listed all of the kind of shows and separated a a match here or there from the show uh, with our recommendation star ratings. So maybe that'll uh, jog your memory a little bit, uh, Mr. K. Probably will. Yeah. I'll I'll probably need that. We've watched a lot of shows and got awful a lot of wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Because Golden Week's... Ooh, Golden Week. <laughs> My brain's rattled on wrestling at the moment. So Team Passion uh, beats Team J- JWP. So the Outsiders come in. Uh, Bossery eats the pin. That's no shock. And she probably should have eaten the pin, actually. So. Trio's match. Carlos Amano, Ran Yu and Tsubasa Kurigaki uh, versus Tanny Mouse, Yoshiko Tamura, and Yuki Miyazaki, a 20-minute time limit draw. <laughs> uh, so, one thing that was pointed out to me in this match that now I hate, I hate with a burning passion, <laughs> is uh, we found out where the origin of, at least we assume is the origin of the Sakaharota comedy, Tanny Mouse. And now I know why her name pops up everywhere because that's the same thing Sakaharota does these days. Her name pops up everywhere because she's a comedy character, so she doesn't have to work that much. I hate that I found that out. I thought this match was a lot of fun. (laughs) It was fun. It was fun. But I hate that that was pointed out and I'm like, oh no. (laughs) She does all of the Hirota spots. All of them. You mean she does all of the tanny mouse spots? <laughs> I want you because they are all hers. <laughs> damn it! And the crowd wants them so bad. And then when Yoshiko Tamura messes them up, they get quite angry with her. <laughs> they do, and I'm like, no, you marks. Why are you buying into this? It's just Don't it's, you know it's, you so want? you got opponent kind of on their stomach in the middle of the mat, and people just kind of run over them, strike a pose. <laughs> Yeah, the Sakaharota like pose jump over them thing. Yeah. Woo! If you jump over them, ah, oh, oh, it hurts. It hurts so much. So on one side we kind of got Team Oz Academy, and then I guess on the other side you got Team Freelance Neo. <laughs> I kind of call them as. I, I guess. Yeah. So we got we got interpromotional warfare here. <laughs> JWP. It's funny. Uh, did it need to go time limit draw? I, I I guess it, it was fun enough. It was mostly comedy, not a big deal. Uh, Carlos Amano ran you you ran you you looking fresh, and Tsubasa Kurigaki really surprised me because I've only seen like late 2019 through 21 Tsubasa Kurigaki where she's she's a she's a rough time. Okay, to, she's uh, broken. Uh, she she is she is a broken athlete at this at this point in time, but. Uh, in this era, in 2010, she's moving fast. She's moving well. She's hitting moves. She's a powerhouse. She's a threat. Very fun to watch. And she's in her 30s. <laughs> yes, Buzz Kyrigaki is one of those people I've seen bits and pieces of in the 2000s. And uh, I was always kind of like, oh, she's pretty good. But then I would just forget about her <laughs> in a couple, couple weeks. Which I guess it says more about like maybe I just don't recognize her as much. Uh, but you were correct. Modern day Subasa. Oh, not somebody who needs to hang it up. 
think she needs to hang it up. She is definitely not the same wrestler. Yeah, one thing I've noticed is the ones that are still kicking around in uh, high uh, high on the card in 2020 plus, we'll call it. Uh, I think that's a good good phrase to put it. Is we've really seen the deterioration of wrestlers' bodies and ability to to kind of keep up with a lot of the younger generation uh, that's that's around these days. Uh, maybe you could get away with it a lot more, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago because the style was more of this hard-hitting slower and because the go-go-go style really requires a lot of running, a lot <laughs> you, you do a lot a lot of work on those knees and it requires a lot of cardio and when you have like w- okay, for example, in this match you have like Yoshika Tamura slowed down a lot, but she can still keep up. She's a good example of someone that clearly kind of knows that she's kind of she's approaching her end uh but uh, amano and yuyu they they're still able to go and they're all kind of on the same page and you definitely feel it in this match so it really it really dawned on me watching subasa kurigaki here and then compared her to the to her modern self where when you're an athlete your body just it, it's so amazing how fast it breaks down like it, it almost comes out of nowhere, and uh, for I would say for baseball, it comes kind of in the the twenty eight year old to thirty three year old age, uh, and that you see that with a lot of sports in general, especially uh, soccer. You could say that the athletes like end of her, end of their career is thirty two, which sounds absurd, but you got to remember everyone starts you know pros when they're like sixteen, and you can kind of put wrestling in that at least in the Joshi era in that same that same aspect with wrestlers starting so young so then when you get to that like 28 to 30 range you're just like man their their careers kind of coming to the end just from all of the damage that they've taken over the years wrestling's not that much different in concept so when you get to just imagine a soccer player then now you see them in their 40s and you can see a lot of players like that uh, when they get off the higher end clubs and they're they're going to kind of their local teams, they've really slowed down a lot. But they, you know, if they want to still kick around, that's fine. But they're not like in the starting eleven of in the Premier League anymore. They're in they're in those lower ends. They're coming out after forty minutes. Wrestling is I I this is what I was thinking about. Okay, watching a lot of this, I was like, man, Subasa Kuragaki really got me on a tangent comparing her to the breakdown of kind of top end football players and going to their local teams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the saddest thing I've ever, the saddest, most frustrating thing I've seen in the 2020 plus, as you put it, um, is Kyoko in a way just standing there and, and having Madeline just run into her constantly. I tell you, like I'll tell you half, what match. That was, half of a, that was half of a match. That was half a match. Yeah. I'll tell you what match did it for me was, I believe it was 2019. And I was on I was on the Red Leaf Retrocast proper. And I was watching, I believe it was Arisa Nakajima versus Mima Shimoda. Oh, ouch. Yeah. And I'm watching Shimoda it going. Off. Oh no. Mima Shimoda, you know, we're 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 in the AJW era where LCO just became a thing and they're they're the new hot stuff in nineteen ninety. <laughs> and cut to twenty nineteen, it's just Oh, why? Oh, it hurt. it's it's and nothing's more painful to me than watching kind of your favorite wrestler just look broken and just hanging on just that bit too long. And it wasn't too long after that there where Shimoda is now uh, helping Jay White with uh, with chairs after G1 matches. <laughs> yeah, she man, I, I caught a few of her matches in 2019 and it was rough. So rough because she couldn't move. No, like, it was very, like, it was very she was tough hobbled to see. and hunched over, and she could maybe do a clothesline. She was really, really broken. It makes me glad that Manami Toyota retired when she did, because I I've seen like the last year of Manami, and you could see the breakdown was definitely there that she couldn't be exactly what she used to be, uh, but she was still able to kind of like Yoshika Tamura here, kind of perform at a certain level, uh, but she hung it up. She hung it up because she knew. Yeah. And I like that. Because if Brian was still wrestling now, it, it'd be sad. I couldn't watch. 
But Carlos Amano Ranyu Yu were the highlights of this match for me, uh, despite all of my talk over Subasa Kurigaki. This was just kind of my first like young experience with her, <laughs> in at least in the 2010 era. I have seen uh, various matches in the early, I want to say early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, why not? We'll put it we'll put it there just for the sake of continuing the conversation. But Yu Yu is looking way better. There was just kind of that ru- that rough, I don't know, month that we saw her where she looked hurt or at least exhausted. <laughs> it was catching up with her. Amano continues to look awesome, but fucking headbutt style. Okay, I can't get over it. I've never seen anyone wrestle like her. Oh yeah, it's it's so wild. Like he's, I, I, I've never seen someone wrestle like that either. And well, we know where it ends. And boy, is it super obvious why it ends that way. Yeah, she she like does a headbutt into someone's back like a drop kick. Yeah, it's very it's, weird. It's just man, neck damage, spinal injuries, brainstem injuries. <laughs> fuck. I mean, I haven't seen twenty twenty plus Carlos Amato pictures, but I can imagine she has to be in a wheelchair, right? I don't know about that. I, I I think they caught her issue early, so she didn't have kind of the long-term damage, and it got, you know what, now that you bring it up, that got me thinking, like, Carlos Amano could have been the next Plum situation. Oh, God, yeah, it's scary. Well, with Plum, it's like, it was weird, because she had said she wasn't feeling well, but not only did they not pull her off shows out of her insistence, but it kind of wasn't out of the norm to kind of well, have concussions. And back at that point, I don't think they even really kind of knew what a concussion entirely was. Nah, come on. People knew. Okay, let me put it this way. They probably knew, but they didn't have the, the tools in front of them at that point to sort of deal with it or, or sort of assess what it was. Like, we're talking about J- Japan. I think it was the, the mindset of was. assessment. Because I remember back then, they they just go, okay, can you still, like, see straight? you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And you just you just insist and the coaches go put you back in. There wasn't the mindset that, okay, let's be safe here. And we'll, we'll Right. Well, also, we'll I think medical you. medical over here at that point in 1990, I think, was a little bit more ahead than it was over in Japan in 1990. So I, I, I don't even be surprised if they didn't have a proper word for concussion just yet. Hmm. I'm, I'm, skept- I'm skeptical did, of, that, did, of that theory. They did, it was a very recent new thing. What little I've understood of it, right? But it wouldn't surprise me if they didn't know that she had a concussion. It surprised me if she didn't know she had a concussion, right? It's like it was something that wasn't like new. It was something new over there, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. It wasn't like a, a thing like it is over here where they knew it was what it was, but they just kept quiet about it on purpose. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if we see any obvious deterioration from Amano, especially with her style. Uh, yeah, I brought with, that up. I was yeah. like, there's, there's no way. There's no way. I know it happens all abruptly, but like. There's no way there isn't some kind of slowdown or breakdown at this right. at this rate. The style dictates that. Yeah, I'm very curious how they keep. I wonder if they're. I wonder. One thing I was thinking about as a sign is maybe we just don't see her in the main event anymore. Kind of like with Plum in JWP, where they insisted her to not be in the main event because of underlying conditions that they had and the, the trust wasn't there. So that's something to look out for. All right. JWP tag title slash daily sports tag titles on the line. Your champions, Toshi Umatsu, <laughs> Gaia Rookie Extraordinaire. She's back. Uh, wacky hair girl, spiky girl, uh, teaming up with Kazuki, your JD star journey. If everyone's following along on the $5 tier Red Leaf Retrocast, you'll be very familiar with Kazuki at this point. And Sachiabe. And they're, t- ah, you're getting ahead of. Getting oh, ahead of here. sorry. Versus I'm a big fan. the team of Aja Kong and someone I've become a big fan of watching and listening to the JD Star Reviews, Sachi Abe. Yeah, I've become quite the fan of Sachi Abe. I didn't think I'd be a fan of someone like Sachi Abe because I saw her. I, I think I've seen tail ends of her career. It's very sad, but Sachi Abe, man. Dude, she jumped off a freaking. Oh, she's awesome. I love her. Her. She is. She has a lot of charisma. She's developed a lot of confidence since 2001. <laughs> yeah, she really has. That's noticeable. She, she uh, clearly has a way with the crowd and a connection. She she even uh, cuts a good little post match promo because they win the tag titles. Sachi Abe and Aja Kong, <laughs> they are champions. K. 
They are. They are. So, hey, do you want me to give a little bit of a, a history of the Daily Sports name and why it's there? Yes, please do. So, the Daily Sports tag titles were once upon a time the Daily Sports tag team tournament in AJW. So AJW had a sponsor. I don't remember what year it started, but the Tag League, I believe it was, had a uh, sponsorship. It was Daily Sports Magazine, which is a sports magazine in Japan, right? So when they folded, when AJW folded, the sports magazine transferred the sort of sponsorship thing to JWP, but because they don't have a tag tournament at the time, they just made tag belts. And it's funny because the modern day tag belts you sort of see JWP have are the daily sports belts because the JWP tag belts they can't actually own physically. And they have, I think they have possession of them, like Bolshoi has them, but they can't use them as their tag belts. So the daily sports tag belts are that. That's why you see the big red strap with the weird gold kind of metal plate in the middle, and it just has Japanese letters on the side in yellow. It just says daily sports. All right. I like a good history lesson. <laughs> yeah, so that's that- cool. Yeah, so the match itself was 13 minutes. Uh, very simple. It was <laughs> it's really funny. The story that came across to me was Sachi Abe's shenanigans and constant go, go, go was really getting to Aja Kong, but she kept insisting, Aja, get in there, do some back fists, go to the top, go here, go there. <laughs> and Aja slowly, she's doing it all, but man, is she getting tired. And then Sachi Abe gets in and finishes off the match. Uh, look, Umatsu, we've talked, we've we've spoken a lot about her. She is a mid carter. If you've ever seen one, she feels like one. She's a veteran, getting a good little tag title run here. But uh, of course, it comes down to the JD Star wrestlers against each other, and Abe pins Kazuki, and she's so happy. New tag champs. Aja Kong's still on the mat, tired. She's just going, no, yada. <laughs> I don't want to. And Abe's like, look, we're tag champions. We want to defend these all the time. No, says Asha Kong. I don't want to do that. Well, you're stuck. We are champions. Ha ha. I love it. It's also funny seeing 2001 Kazuki in her orange jumpsuit, prison jumpsuit, and then seeing her have proper gear in this match. It's kind of weird. She's still a bad wrestler, I maintain. Like, I think she was just kind of slightly better in 2010, but she's still a bad wrestler. I don't know, man. Uh, 2001 Kazuki is is a rough go of things. Oh, it's real rough. <laughs> so the, the bar is She's low really to cross. Bad. The bar is low to cross. I think she crossed it. <laughs> I, I think she's improved, but I still think she's a bad wrestler. Yeah, I still saw some of the old Kazuki habits in the match. Let's go. See, you haven't let go of certain things. So if we get more Sachi Abe and Aja Kong shenanigans as tag champions, I think we got to pay more close attention to JWP in 2011, K. <laughs> That's going to be weird going flip and flop between 2010 or at this point going to 2011 Sachi Abe and the 2001 Sachi Abe where I'm at in JD Star. Yeah, you get to That's see the, the, 10 year, the 10 year journey of her. Uh, go figure. That's cool. I can't wait. And our main event, JWP open weight title, Lucha de Apuestas. Okay. Kaori Oniyama, the openweight champion, taking on rival Emi Sakura. 20 minutes, 18 seconds. Rival and friend. All right, Kay. What a match this was. We just watched the Oz Academy last woman standing match, Kaoru and Ozaki. Now we have Yona Yama against Emi Sakura. Two way different generations, two way different ways of going about uh, how they look at wrestling and what they're doing here. Okay, what did you think of this epic, epic title match? So, I had seen this way back when I first got into Joshi, about 2018, right? <laughs> way and, back. Uh, <laughs> and way back. It feels like forever at this point, let me tell you. Um, but I watched this. It was on a list of matches that people recommended for to go out of your way to be for like old school Joshi, right? So I'd seen it, but I hadn't seen it since then. And so rewatching it here, it just... You ever hear the phrase, it hits different? Yes, this match absolutely. This just hits different. This match just hits different. Like, I thought about it. This match isn't based on hatred. This match isn't like, it's not your dump Chikusa. It's not based off of a fuming, better rivalry like Julia and Tam. It feels like Manami and Toshi Yamada. 
It, that's what this feels like to me. I can see it's that. It's like two friends, rivals, both like just in the heat of things, putting this on the line because they just haven't. They've gotten to this point where they have to put their head on the line. It's the the only logical step for them both, and it's respect. We see a point in the match where Yoniyama could finish Emmy off, but she doesn't. She lifts her off the mat because she just can't finish her. Look at look at her face. She doesn't look like she wants to beat her down. She just can't finish her. She doesn't have the heart. Her face kind of kind of sunken. And Emmy has to sort of snap her back to it, right? Like we're in the middle of a match. Don't go easy on me. I'm not going easy on you. And it's just we see all of the ice ribbon girls at ringside. We see Sukasa, Shida, little Sakushi and Karumi. Such we see um Obihiro. We see her at ringside as well. This match just was so good. You even got Yoniyama's contingent. You got Bolshoi, Leon, yeah, ringside yeah, 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 for yeah. her. Yeah, it's, it's it feels like such a, a big event, right? Like, this is such a big deal for both sides. And they hit every one of their finishers and then signatures. And they both kept kicking out over and over and roll-up pin after roll-up pin. And it was just, it, it kind of built up really well, too, because they started off kind of beating each other down with strikes and sort of holds, and then it just kept building and building. And by the end of the match, they're hitting all their signature moves and doing all these roll-ups, and I don't know, man. By the end of it, when, when Yonoma catches Emmy and, and gets the pin, uh, it's kind of was like, I felt exhausted. Oh, match is just, it's good. It's very, very good. Yeah, so the first 12 minutes, I would say, and I wish I would have timed the sp- uh, specifics of it, but I, I, let's just put it at 12 minutes. It seems like they're having a rivalry match. They're in it for the title. It's your regular title match. And then there's that moment where Yonayama, like you said, has Emi Sakura pinned. And she pulls her head up. She's reluctant because she knows the consequences to her winning. And that's Emi Sakura's getting her head shaved. So she pulls her up. Emmy kind of gets her wits about her. She gets up. She realized what has happened, and she's get and Emmy gets angry because that's kind of insulting. Oh, you don't want to pin me? Well, that's not why we're here. We're here to settle this, and you don't now. You don't want to settle it. She slaps some sense into her, and that's when they finally start to throw bombs. And it's awesome. They really kick it up to another gear because now they both understand, or at least Kaoriyama understands what she's in for. And Emi Sakura realizes, oh shit, I got beat. Now I need to kick it up to another gear. And for the rest of that, you know, eight minutes, they're hitting knee strikes. They're clotheslining each other. Uh, They're getting each other in the head. Uh, Emi Sakura does a top rope B driver, of all things, in which Yonayama kicks out of. A huge pop out of us for that move. Uh, furious knees and constant knee strikes from Yonayama. She just starts going at it over and over and over again. Still not enough. And after Emmy hits all her moves because she realizes her specialty is the roll-ups and Yonayama's is the knee strikes. And you just keep going at it. So Emmy's going La Maestral Cradles, which always wins matches. That's getting kicked out of. And finally, kind of seemingly out of nowhere, there's the Rolling Chaos German not out of the corner, uh, but off just off the uh, the ropes themselves. And Emmy loses. You're like, oh, a kind of hush comes over the crowd. And then it's finally a all right, all right. And then the realization that Emmy's getting her hair, her hair cut. So they all get ready. And Yoniyama's, of course, hesitant. She can't really do it. She's crying. Emmy, she's upset. She kind of caresses. She kind of looks back behind her, caresses Yonayama's cheek. Come on, do it. Don't embarrass me. This is what we're here for. It's just hair. It'll grow back kind of situation. But then Sayaka Obihiro hits the ring, and she grabs a mic. And of course, the mic doesn't work. Or at least she doesn't figure it out right away, and then she kind of gives up. <laughs> doesn't she just try. yells. And I, and I like that. I actually like that it didn't work because she's yelling the top of her lungs, and it kind of has a visceral kind of feel to it. I, I liked it. I liked all of it. And the importance of, of this was Sayaka Obihiro is one of Emi Sakura's, I guess, first students or first students of Ice Ribbon situation. Uh, she would debut in 2010. She's one of she's one of the, not the first students, but she's one of Emi's third, her third class? Second or third class? 
Yeah, she. The point being, she one looked, of her, she, she's the she's the first one to come into Ice Ribbon who looked up to Emmy. Right. Fire. So she's cutting a promo, and the the context I got from it is she wants to be the one to cut the hair, and she'll even she'll even cut her own hair off, in which she does. She wants to sacrifice for her own teacher, and Emmy gets up and slaps her, and takes the scissors. You're embarrassing me, this came across as. Stop embarrassing yourself on top of it. I knew what I was getting into. And that's when Yoniyama, like that moment kind of triggers Yoniyama to, you know, pull the trigger herself. She finally cuts some hair off and then hands it off to the barber. And that's the end. It was, it's quite emotional. It's definitely one of the better matches of 2010 for sure. It's uh, definitely a contender to go along with a couple other matches I can think of. And we got some bangers here. What a good show from JWP here. Right, and so to add to the to what Obihiro was doing, Obihiro wasn't offering to cut Emmy's hair. She was offering to have her hair cut in her place. So It was either or to a- me. I was like, okay, because we don't speak Japanese. We kind of got to use our, our own context here. I, I, you know, I was like, okay, either she wants to cut her hair as well uh, this, this this is coming back to me. It's coming back because I remember okay. when I when I the board the, the I think it I think it was the subreddit the start of okay the subreddit so they can confirm game. she wanted to sacrifice her own hair yes her. yes okay. that was that was she wanted yeah, to sacrifice her too. own hair and Emmy got mad at her because it, I mean it's Emmy like for what you kind of like said I think it's exactly what she would said you're embarrassing me you're embarrassing yourself I know what I got myself into and I think the important thing here and is, again this is also coming back to me a little bit now um, Obi Hero like I had said. Uh, was one of the, I think, the first of the rookies to come out that had already knew who Emi Sakura was and idolized her. Okay, so that that's what this is. Yeah, because she debuted in twenty ten. She's not the first class. She's I don't think she's even the second class. I think she's third class, third class rookies, and she idolized Emmy. So that makes sense why she's doing it, even though she's like barely even been in the company. So yeah, really strong show, uh, top to bottom. Uh, definitely recommend the show. I have basically the top three matches uh, uploaded to the Daily Motion page that you can you can check it out. Uh, it, it's good stuff overall. Definitely recommend uh, watching. I I really got a different outlook on JWP coming out of the show and interested in paying attention to them more, uh, especially in the next few years before kind of Stardom and and uh, Stardom gets gets off the ground a little bit more. Uh, Ice Ribbon, kind of, they lose Emmy and a, lo- a lot of talent, so they're going to have their down period. Uh, which, by the way, I got the Ice Ribbon book that was written that you can find on Amazon. Uh, what a treasure trove of information that is. I'm so glad I got it. Yeah, I'm rebuying because I lost my copy. I'm rebuying it when I get a chance because I really, because I think I only got like one chapter in maybe, and I was just like, man, this is like a gold mine. Because the guy that wrote it, he stayed over there for like, I think, like six months or something. He was over there for a long time to sort of absorb the culture of not just just Japan, but Ice Ribbon. uh, And Mm -hmm. and sort of talk to a lot of them. and got a lot more inside information that I don't think anyone even gets nowadays. Like, I think uh, as much as, uh, you know, we we, like talk good about Eric and all this stuff with interviews. uh, I believe there's information that that he couldn't even get out of Tsukasa. He just didn't think to ask. It's like that kind of information. It's possible, stuff that, yeah. Stuff that is just really interesting, I thought. Yeah, I mean, the thing about interviews is people are, you got to you gotta know what to ask and what information to get out of uh, them, but that's a different uh, topic for another day. Um, right, right, right. Not, not yet. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's a, he did a bad job. I'm not, I don't want to say that. No, no, no. I'm saying that, he, I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't even know any of these questions to ask. I mean, I I wouldn't have known right. some of this if I hadn't read parts of the book and did a, dug my face into all things Ice Ribbon, but no. It's kind of cool to have resources like this and like, like his podcast where you can get information that you wouldn't get elsewhere. Yeah, like I'd be I'd be curious to interview like a Bolshoi or Leon and kind of talk about this era. Oh, in God. particular, interviewing Bolshoi interviewing there's like three interviews that I always kind of wish he, he would have gotten because I would love to hear them speak. Uh, Banami Toyota, uh, well, Bolshoi, of course, <laughs> Bolshoi and Aja. Those are the three I, I would love to just hear about 
hear from. Just period. I think Bolshoi uh, in the, in this current. I mm, let's see. You kind of want someone in a position of a Bolshoi, but not as big because they might be able to. Not to be sound insulting at all, but uh, you might actually be able to get them. <laughs> well, I think with Bolshoi, it's kind of like. It's weird. So Bolshoi is one of those accounts that if you follow her, she follows you back, kind of like Yodayama. <laughs> and it's kind of weird because I'm like, do you, you, you mute everybody. I, I, you got to mute everybody. There's just no way you don't mute everybody. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Our next episode is Oz Academy Get Wild. That is episode 12. So are you ready to get wild, Kay? Does it get wild or does it just go mild? That's the big question. Oh, come on. We've liked uh, we've liked what we've seen from Oz Academy so far. I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> when still, we hit I'm wondering when we hit the point where we go this this promotion sucks ass. <laughs> uh, give it a few years. We'll hit it. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll hit it. You'll know when you hit it too. <laughs> okay. Very exciting. So uh last thought. I, I think the I think the promotions I'm most excited about now as we're approaching the end of the year, and what I've learned is JWP is up there. Ice Ribbon for sure still. Like, no doubt. That, that is so, it's so unique and interesting. And honestly, I think Wave is another one. Let's see what they're doing. Yeah, I think I echo that. Um, we get to early stardom. Uh, just a forewarning. Early stardom is very rough. Well, I'm very aware, well aware. That's why I'm not kind of hyped for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ari Souza and all that. Yeah, it's, it gets real rough. Uh, and of course, Oz Academy's. I think the the number one promotion <laughs> pains you. Does uh, it pain you to say? It pains you to for me to say that? Kay? I think you just know Zaki Mark. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm more excited for JWP. That's what I'm more excited for. This is my one of my favorite promotions. So, All right. Join the Patreon. Redleaf Retrocast. Easily searchable. We do a lot of fun stuff over there. Uh, we got a monthly pick'em. We do the Joshi 2010s. We got our wrestler rankings coming out of the Redleaf Retrocast proper, where we discuss uh, seven promotions at each and every episode. Uh, sometimes we have more to say over others, and Hope you guys check us out. Hit us up. We also got All Japan Women Destiny. Where we do All Japan uh, run through from the 80s onward. Enjoy enjoy all the content. We we work hard at all this. <laughs> yeah, you guys got my awesome JD Star reviews and uh, keep an eye out for Big Egg Joshi. Got some special stuff in the works for the month of June. All right. See you next time. Yeah. <laughs>